welcome to the Six Hats podcast, where I, Dr. Shami, a lifestyle and nutritional medicine family doctor, will talk about how women strive to find balance each day by juggling their six roles, being a woman, mother, daughter, partner, business owner, and professional. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Six Hats podcast. And I'm so excited to have Sue Jones back with us. She's a regular on the Six Hats imparting her amazing wisdom. So thank you, Sue. Thank you for joining us again. Hi there, Shami. It's just lovely to see you again and be back to talk more about the things that fascinate me. Absolutely. So now that's really interesting. We had a chat before this podcast and we were going, what can we talk about? Now, I know I refer my patients to Sue who are feeling stressed, overwhelmed, and maybe anxiety, maybe depression, or even couples counseling. And it was really interesting when Sue said, I'd love to talk about shame and blame. And that kind of sparked a few emotions in myself as well, going, oh, that feels a bit uneasy just even thinking about it. Why do we avoid even talking about shame and blame? And you can just imagine the number of scenarios in your day, for example, yesterday or today, that you might have blamed someone for an activity or you felt awful because you were shamed. So Sue, love for you to start. Why do you feel it's important that we talk about these two topics? Good questions. We're talking about emotions and emotions that cause us stress and they affect our physical bodies, as we all know, and our emotional health and well-being. So understanding some of the trickier emotions like stress and blame is super important because if we ignore them, we avoid them, it's like they have a bigger power of controlling our emotions and our brains are going, something's wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong, but we're not actually regulating it. To regulate an emotion, we have to actually name it, which is naming the emotion, which requires you to slow down and just check in with yourself. What are you feeling? What is there? What's your body saying about this? And just naming an emotion can lower the stress in our bodies. It lowers the activity in the amygdala. And then sharing that with somebody and expressing that, that lowers it again. But we're talking more here about everyday stress and what happens in our intrapsychic world when we come across blame and shame. And blame is, let's start with blame. So an interesting question here, which you might like to think about, Shami, and our audience, is who blames you the most? Who is it in your life that you feel most blamed by? Really interesting you say that. And I would probably say myself. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so true. And it's not always the same for everyone. Sometimes it's a particular person. But yeah, often it's our self-blame. So this is the interesting thing about blame, right? All, All emotions have action tendencies and we have emotional and body responses. And when we feel blamed, it actually turns off the learning center in our brain So for example, if you're doing self-blame and you're saying, oh, you idiot, Susan, you always forget to put the rubbish out on Monday night. Can't you remember a simple thing like that? My learning center is reading that as a danger cue, as a threat. And so it's turning off the learning. It's going into survival, which is often where we come to the other side of that, where we go, well, you know, it's not my fault. I've got lots of things to do. And so we go into that justification and we actually go up into like a grandiosity. 
right? What does that mean, Sue, grandiosity? Grandiosity, it means, well, I'm not that bad. I'm actually better. And often it's better than others, right? Well, it's not my fault. I'm late for the meeting. They don't have as much to do as I do, right? Uh, And then we can swing down into shame, right? Because we go, oh, we know we're telling ourselves rubbish, right? We go, oh, gosh, I I could have got a bit up, up a bit earlier. But then the train was late, you know, so it can swing around from that grandiosity and down to to shame. What we want to do is be human and sort of hang around that middle area more. It's like, you you know, you've got grandiosity at at north and at south, you've you've got the shame, and we want to sort of hang around the middle. So these, the grandiosity, the shame, and the blame all sort of hang around in that, on a matrix together, if that makes sense. Yeah. I can literally just imagine my day going from one to the other. literally go you know and it could be just in daily life which you beautifully explained you know are you late to something or you didn't get to the appointment on time or you forgot to do something or something hasn't been done at home and you've blamed maybe your partner or you know you just get frustrated and how often does it actually lead to daily stresses as well so true and you're right it's a lot can be a lot of these micro ones or it can be big ones so the voice that we speak to with ourselves if we have got blame in it we're going to shut down that learning center we will not learn from that experience i'll still forget the bins next monday Mm, I haven't so learned, right? So it's about coming to ourselves with compassion, that same compassion that we would show to somebody else that we love and care about. That love and care, when the Buddha talks about compassion, he's not talking about just giving it to other people. It's everybody, and, the, and you are everybody. You're part of that. So that compassionate talk keeps that learning center open, and we're more likely to remember. But you're right, that swinging around from blame to shame and that feeling of going into grandiosity to try and counteract it, it can make us feel quite bipolar at times. I mean, I, I, I know there's times in my head where I've gone, oh, Susan, you know, come on, you can get that car back. Ah, if you race, you can get there before the other person. And then you look and you go, damn, she's got kids. Now I feel really bad. <laughs> I felt she has kids, right? And then you sort of grab a hold of yourself and you go, oh, for heaven's sakes, settle down. So we do need a little bit of shame. We need to be able to say to ourselves, oops, being unfair there but we don't want to plummet to the bottom when we plummet to the bottom that's when we tend to swing right to the top and that's when we turn around to blame other people and we yeah and that's when we snap at other people and go if you were just I wouldn't be doing or whatever it is that comes out of our minds yeah I almost see it as we're trying to protect our ego yeah Yes. All of that saying, right. Okay. Yeah. I didn't get it right. But we give a reason for ourselves. And also it's easier to put the blame on someone else rather than take responsibility. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so important to know because people who use a lot of blame are usually people who've had a lot of criticism in their childhood. And, you know, I can remember standing there looking into my mum's eyes and she's saying, who did this? And I'm looking at my brother going, sure he did it <laughs> whether he did or not right because we don't want to feel that discomfort and but discomfort is part of life and it is it's just discomfort but if you've had a lot of criticism a lot of blame in your childhood then you tend to be a bit allergic to it and you tend to overreact to it which makes sense right so when you talk about protection it is I love what you say there about protecting the ego. And I would probably phrase that a little differently, but I think it's the same thing. What we're trying to do is protect that child within us because that child doesn't want to feel that pain they felt as a as a child where they were blamed. So therefore, they put up protection and the protection looks like, well, 
wasn't really my fault or actually you started it. And so this is probably like a sidetrack, but it just came to mind about, you know, the culture of we don't want to take responsibility in blaming others. It's mm-hmm. really interesting. It sort of transpires into life and maybe it's sort of conditioned socially where, you know, for example, there's a lot of insurance, a lot of insurance that we take in the Western world to, oh, so if something happens to the car, you've got that. Or so it's sort of almost saying you don't need to worry, like someone else would cover for you. It's really, I don't know if you understand what I'm kind of getting at. It's almost like, you know, there's insurances that you take to protect yourself from in case anything happens. And it's really interesting what observed is certain countries in the East, we don't have that. And so we've just got to do, just got to go for it. But then there's a level of sort of invisible protection here where we go, ah, okay, if that happens, then I will, you know, how lawyers you might start cases or blame right. someone for yeah. something that this has to happen. This is the biggest stuff here, right? Which is where it can really get full on. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And that's so important, isn't it? Because things can get quite big and quite huge and things can get quite out of control. And it's interesting, like the further we go down those roads, not that litigation, those sort of things are not appropriate times, but sometimes we're actually trying to appease that feeling. And the further we go down that road, the more we box ourselves in. Mm. Because to actually drop litigation or to drop the case or to drop the blame or to turn around to your friends and you go, you know how I was speaking disrespectful about that person at work and how I really was cranky with her, him the other day. Well, I found out some more of the story and it makes sense and I have to apologise and say I got that wrong. Like that's hard to do, right? And that's the shame in us going, just don't go there. Action tendency of shame is to hide. Just don't go there. But it can get, we can box ourselves in and it can get quite out of control. And there's a lot of encouragement with social media to feel like that. I don't know, it's strange. It's like a, it's be the victim, but be a strong victim, be an aggressive victim. Mm. It's just victimhood, right? So, and it concerns me when I see things on uh, Instagram, those sorts of things where you see these quick little snaps of a post, which it has five points, for example, that will let you know if your partner is fill in the blank, a narcissist or whatever, and or ADHD or whatever you like, any of those things. But what it doesn't do is it doesn't help you take accountability in the situation too. It's too one-dimensional. There might be facts there and they might be right and correct, but it's very easy to go, yeah, my partner does this, this and this. Yeah, it's all their fault. Look what I have to put up with. And then it just creates a lot of anger and resentment. It doesn't help you understand what's going on for that person or why. All behavior, all our behavior is motivated. So understanding the motivation behind it is so important. So Sue, I'd love to, let's bring it back to your consults with patients. How do you, how do you even bring up the subject of that? Is it something that you observe and you dive deep into it or you actually have a conversation about it? It depends on how the people present, how I deal with it, because I have to meet them where they are. But shame is, is a common emotion. It's like one we all have. So it's not like it's taboo and it's not allowed to be discussed. And there's a saying in psychotherapy that what we name, we can manage. Love that. 
Yeah, and it's true. So we have to name these difficult emotions too. If I go slow and safe with people and they start off with difficulty and it may start off with a complaint about somebody or something that's happened. But as we go deeper into those emotions, they can sometimes come up. Shame doesn't tend to. It tends to sneak around the background. But when they're talking and they're getting deeper, one of the cues I'll often get is they will actually look down and you can uh, down at their lap sort of thing at just those moments when you're talking about how they felt about their behavior in that situation, right? And shame, that's often an indicator that shame's coming up. Wow. And so slowly and gently ask them about that. And, and I normalize shame too. I say it is part of what we do. It is part of the emotional spectrum we live on. And this is our challenge as human beings is to understand these emotions. We're emotional beings. We're emotional beings that think occasionally, right? So we're more emotional than anything. If we took our emotions out, we wouldn't be human. So this vast array, but it's how to wield them. And if we're taught that, well, shame just is a nasty thing that stays over there and you can't mention it, then you can't manage it. So, so true. We, yeah, so if we bring it forward, we can talk about the shame. And like the lovely Brené Brown says, shame is, is like, um, like mould. It grows in the dark. So the answer is, and the solution, the healing is bringing light to it, bringing people's attention gently and kindly to it, the client's attention plus mine, and talking about it in a way that doesn't further the shame. But shame, is it's, it's interesting because often when people are feeling shame, it's often there may be something, there may be some responsibility in what happened where they feel they need to apologize or they need to show more tolerance or whatever. But one of the interesting things about shame is often at the very core of it is that we care. So true. We care yeah. that we hurt that person. And actually have empathy. And that's probably why shame feels so bad. It's because we actually care about that situation. Yeah. Spot on. Absolutely spot on. It's exactly right. It's the goodness in you and me. It's the goodness in people that goes feels bad about having hurt someone and then the fear, I mean, that's a, the fear of hiding that it comes from our evolution where if you're the one that's taken too many pieces of food out of the food supply that's been provided, then you're not going to be tolerated too often if you do that. So we have a tendency to hide that. What if I get kicked out of the tribe? The reality is, of course, in our modern days that people can be forgiving and it's not generally what's going to happen, not that you can't. I mean, I, I suppose even incarceration is a form of being booted out, right? If your behavior is bad enough and persistent enough. Yeah. So, yeah. So interesting. And so what kind of techniques can we learn to help ourselves when we do feel so bad about a situation? So if when we do feel so bad, often we can ruminate and it can keep going yeah. cycles, maybe keep us awake at night, affecting our sleep. And we, it tends to be really sticky thoughts. So it just lingers. Mm -hmm. How can we learn to have a better relationship with shame? Mm -hmm. So there's two things that come to mind there because rumination basically means you're going around in circles and getting nowhere. And that just, that can absorb our attention and that leaves less room for us to have what I call focused thinking where you can actually be productively looking at what how to fix things or how to move away having said that there's often it's really important to go close to the emotion initially and or when it's the appropriate time to stop and pay attention to it because if we avoid it it will not go away it'll just keep coming back 
Uh, and then you can end up being in the situation where you're so busy avoiding that you feel nothing in life because you're numb. All you're doing is playing music, running, doing a million and one things that we can to avoid the emotion. It's really important to pay attention to our emotional life. So sitting with yourself, becoming quiet, taking a really loving, compassionate, gentle attitude towards it and being with yourself and going, hey, what's happening here? And it's okay to have complaints. What's under the complaint? What was the pain point? What was the fear or the hurt? And when you get to that, then you can find solutions that work emotionally. Uh, and sometimes we do. We do need help. Sometimes it's a friend to help us regulate. Sometimes we need something more than that and we need therapy, particularly if it's something that's gone on for a long time and we keep getting stuck on it, keeps coming back. That's telling us that our brain is reading a danger cue in it somewhere and we're not quite picking it up. So sometimes we need a map. In fact, I think that's a lot of what happens. Like I'm an, of an older generation and our generation, we had no idea about emotions. There wasn't even a book in the library on it. But, <laughs> and now we have people who are much more, have much more emotional literacy and much more fluency with it, but they don't necessarily have a map. So they've got these emotions and they get a bit lost in them and they start throwing them around at other people because it's like, I really want some help, but I don't know how to do this. And so that's where some good therapy can help to regulate because once you've got the map and it makes sense, and this is the amazing thing, all emotions make sense. They're all there for a purpose and they make sense. So once you understand them in the context of your dilemma, our nervous system goes, oh, that feels better. And then you're in a situation where you can see other people's point of view more, other people's pain. You know, it's sort of like if you hit your leg on the on the tow bar of the car, you're not really thinking about anyone else's pain or discomfort. You're just going, ow, 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 this hurts. Yeah? Your pain is important and it's relevant. It's there to tell you something. Whether it's a physical pain, ow, oh my gosh, I've cut myself, I better address that, or whether it's emotional. And our brain registers pain, whether it's physical or mental, the same way. Our stress response is still there. It's amazing. So true. And so I'd love to move on to blame because all you've just literally given me so many ideas about, you know, the way you described how we can just acknowledge shame, label it, name it, not label it, name it. So it actually helps us self-regulate. And I really yes. and you know, sort of fly the flag about self-regulation, understanding emotions, self-regulation, because that's the key to managing stress yeah. as well. So with blame, just even thinking about blame, there's a lot of anger associated with it. <laughs> so that's another emotion that comes to mind when we're thinking about blame, anger, yes. frustration. It's the grandiosity, right? It's what we were yes. before. Yeah, it's the grandiosity. Because when we blame others, we put ourselves up there a little bit and go, well, I know better than you, or I would never make that mistake. Or, oh gosh, you know, the things people say, right? And what we say sometimes is, you know, it's like, well, I'd never do that. How can people even think like that? I mean, there's an implication there that I know better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's a, that grandiosity of I'll put myself up on a little bit of a pedestal. And the problem is that would be a super tactic, right? Except that we can't lie to ourselves. Ultimately, we know. Mm. ultimately deep down there's a part in our hearts and I see it with clients when I slow them down and I say what's that feel like if they are on that grandiosity trip and she shouldn't have said that and how dare they talk to me like that if I take them to their emotions yeah and get them to talk about their pain and then I go yeah and how do you feel now how do you what do you want to say or do and what comes out of their mouths then 
instead of I could have told them a thing or two or that sort of blaming, mm-hmm. uh, wagging sort of stuff. It's more balanced. It's more right. Yeah, what happened there? I felt uncomfortable with, and it's it's much more compassionate. And like you say, it takes it distills the anger out of it and the grandiosity. So people can do us wrong. But if we can take the blame out, because we all do wrong, we're all imperfect. Yeah. And that's the beauty of us. And shouldn't we just celebrate that, that imperfectness? We should. We need to accept. I make mistakes every day. Mm. Every day. Like, and if I really stop and think about the tiny little things, I mean, they don't matter. Right. There's ones that I go, ouch, that was a bad mistake and I heard and I need to address it. It's like any other pain, you address it. But if I actually stopped and looked at all the tiny mistakes I made in the day, it's actually quite a lot. You can really you could really get down on yourself if you want to. Right. So true. I love I'm really curious about the couples counseling that you do. And because I hear that a lot. She did this. He did this. And often it's like fix him, not or fix her. So when it comes to blame and you sort of described a a scenario that you were going to get into, how do you distill that? What kind of strategies or what therapy do you do to help Mm. clients in that situation? Mm. I work with emotionally focused therapy, which is just a beautiful therapy, very compassionate, very non-blaming and very successful. So I've used that with mother and daughter but I've also used that with couples and you're right like people come in with complaints and what people usually say is we want better communication skills (laughs) which is a nice way of saying I really want my partner understand what I'm saying here and they're not getting it right so when we they come in with a list of complaints they're really talking about their pain points so I manage that because one of the very most important things I have to do in a couple session is keep safety for both partners. So I can't let it be a, you know, just a throwing things at each other. We can't, that's not going to be helpful because that's just called fighting and you can do that at home without my help, frankly. So true. (laughs) So this is more about, okay, I want to help you and I want you to to help your partner understand this. And I want to distill this to a nice, clear, simple message. So can you tell me directly, not your partner, even though your partner's sitting there and listen, it's not so fiery when it's coming to me, right? So, and then I will distill, I will go through that. And I'm doing the same thing that I do with singles. I'm going, what's the emotion underneath that? You're telling me your partner came home late. That's a fact. And he promised, for example, that he was going to be on time because you had this important appointment. What happened inside you? That's what I want to understand. And then when they say, I was so scared I was going to be late for this appointment, it meant a lot to me, it was to do with my career, whatever, then you go, right. So you're really trying to tell your partner here that this was scary for you. And that's why this was scary and becoming overwhelming. And that's why you got angry when they came in the door. Can you tell them that? And if they tell them from that softer place, you get shifts, right? Mm. I've had couples come in where they've got a laundry list, both of them, right? And it's just <laughs> a big, and it's it can start off quite courageous. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and I've gone, okay, but I'm going to take charge here. I need to stop you, and I'll be quite strong with that because they need a different direction. That is just doing damage. Mm. And uh, what I have done at times is ask them to go home and write down all the questions I want answered. So it might be, you know, why are you always late? 
Why don't you think of me when you're not around me? Why aren't the dishes ever done? Whatever the questions are, they can have quite a long list when they come back with those. But what's really interesting is that there's a common theme most of the time. Sometimes there's more than one, but usually there's a, a common theme. And it may be like, let's say it's like you're, you're not helping with tasks around. Then really what the person is trying to say is that I feel like the burden lands on me to manage the household, for example. And sometimes that gets too much and I need help. So whether it's, why don't you do the dishes? Why don't you take the bins out? Why do I have to remember the birthdays? It may still come down to the same thing. So those big laundry lists tend to collapse. I think you mentioned something so important, and especially if you're both running a household, Sometimes habits form where, you know, one may do more than the other and it's just the way it is. It just formed. And you're right. I think frustration, irritation, go deeper, what's actually driving it. And you've really hit the nail when it's when you actually said, do you feel that it's a burden now? It's overwhelming that you're actually doing too much or maybe even just thinking that the partners that actually think about the future and plan and save or maybe one of them might be really good at money and you know planning the future while the others the other is not and so you feel that sense of overwhelm and burden correct and often the partner just understanding that is enough it's like i just needed you to understand this is how i feel and that sometimes i need to ask for extra help and for their partner to understand that ah right you're not actually criticizing me because what it sounds like you're criticizing me when you say you need never do this and never do this right it can sound like that blame and criticism but you're actually trying to reach for help Mm. and sometimes it can even be rubbing on an old wound like it might be for someone that you know maybe the tasks are relatively even but there's a fear there from when they were young that they had to maybe they had a parent with a disability and they had to take on too many responsibilities and they will feel entrapped by that If a child has to take on too many responsibilities, they end up feeling burdened and they can't play as much. They have to be the responsible one. And that feeling may come up when they're, as they grow in an adult household for them with their partner. So it may be when I distill that with them, it may be that, ah, this is what happens. It starts to feel overwhelming and you go into like a panic. And what do you need when that's happening? I need my partner to stop and listen to me. Right. And what does your partner need? And the partner might say, I need you to be gentler when you come to me. Wow. That's so true. Because you come with a heightened emotion and as a result, you're actually pushing them away and you don't really get to the bottom of it. Yeah. I was having a nice chill time here watching the tennis on TV and you come in the door and the next thing you're saying, all these accusations, I'm not feeling good about it. Mm. Why would I want to go closer to that? But the per for the person in distress, they don't see that. They just know they're in distress. So see, no one's to blame here. It's just they don't see each other's intrapsychic worlds. So and that's what my one of my aims in the therapy is to help you understand what's happening in your intrapsychic world and your partners. It's important to understand what's happening in your intrapsychic world so you can share it in a way that's coherent and isn't. I remember some, but one psychologist used the word overtalker, <laughs> which, <laughs> you know, I think that would describe me is that I used to very much go into lots of dialogue about what was wrong. And if my partner wasn't picking up, I'd be going, oh, I'll give you some more dialogue. In actual fact, they were already gazing, you know, deer in the headlight stuff, and they needed less. They needed a short, clear, simple message, which to me sort of felt counterintuitive. It felt a bit cold, right? 
but that's what they need. And even if it's a heads up, but it's amazing how partners will shift and it, it's just move. It's like, do you remember that game when we were kids where you had the marbles and you'd move a stick out and the marble would move and then you'd move another one and nothing would shift? But you move one stick out at a time and you get a shift. And then when one partner's psychology shifts a little, the other's does too. And it might be a little shift, but you keep working those spots and they shift and they get closer together because people do. They want to be closer together. We're bonding animals. We want to bond. We want to be close together. We want regulation. And, you know, when you talk about stress, the most important thing in the world for regulating stress in human beings is another brain that's compassionate and listening. So true. Wow, Sue, absolutely loved our conversation today. And it actually triggers a few emotions where you go, oh, I've never really talked about shame or blame. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you mentioned it so beautifully, shame, we tend to hide away from it, blame. You know, it's hard to sort of point the finger at ourselves and what responsibility do we take? But more importantly, what lies beneath beneath behaviours and beneath what we do is the emotion. Absolutely. Any final words for our audience? Well, I I love what you said there. It says we need to go deeper. We've not been trained to go deeper. So find someone who can show you the map and help you go deeper if you you don't know how to do it. Because if it's not in your childhood, you won't know how to do it. But going deeper, going to those softer emotions is so where we need to go. And that's where the honey is. That's where we will learn to connect. That's where we connect with ourselves. That's when we find us. So you know, that that meditation is another way or even just having quiet moments by yourself and calming down, listening to regulating music and then checking in and going, how do I feel? How am I at the moment? And it's okay. Whatever emotion you've got, it's going to be fine. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Sue, for your time today. Welcome. Remember that this is general advice only. Please see your healthcare professional for more information. So what's your take home message today? Remember it's all about progress and not perfection. And are you suffering from stress? Visit Usawa Learning Hub on usawa.com.au and sign up for the six week challenge on how to reduce stress today. Enjoy the journey.